dude christians suck bro <laughs> dude i mean yeah i agree with i think like and honestly because like that's the thing because bro like in charismatic spaces like in all like my circles like for sure like like don't touch lord's anointed is such a like a real mindset that people have that they're like no i'm the prophet of this house like you, it's like it's insane like it yeah. truly is like crazy crazy toxic but, it's so freaking manipulative yeah yeah i hate that crap it's like we just yeah. need to make up ways to be able to manipulate and lord our authority over people yeah it's like dude this is the problem jordan well it's like <laughs> it's the, this is the problem <laughs> you're like what do you say we're it's the uh <laughs> it's the same thing with uh the rise and fall of marcel podcast where they yeah. talk about dude, the data about yeah. how narcissists are attracted to the church because it's so mm, easy to right. fake and get into a leadership position and like and that's coming from a background that's like so not pentecostal yeah mm. sorry jordan i apologize no. It's good. It's You're a, good. Man. It's a bad habit. I just get worked up. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just really bad, man. I think Christians in general just need to have way more discernment than we do, and I think we put people in ministry it's way too fast in like people that should clearly should not be in ministry. Uh that's just yeah. like super common. So Dude, I wish you knew what I had to, like what I'm going through for licensing right now. I just finished. I had to read about the entire history of our denomination. Mm-hmm. But I also have to like sign off on all these forms where I have to literally go down a list of like, like I'm not into pornography. I'm not an alcoholic. Like I'm not like all this stuff. And it's like every like I know about this because I have friends who've been through this process. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like I have to, you have to do all those things and it gets updated every year. Like they add something new that you can't do. Like, or that, like, some terrible thing that some pastor did out somewhere (laughs) that now I have to sign off that I don't do because, like, I can't embezzle funds, like, gambling, plagiarize, I can't gamble, like, and it's like all this stuff. And then I have to go through, like, a board of, like, pastors in the conference who, like, grill you about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. People ruined this for me. This is everybody else's fault. <laughs> it's like the freaking Bible, dude. Like God gives laws and rules because people mess things up. It's like there's a person behind every rule. Yeah. And if like there was yeah. less people messing this stuff up, like I wouldn't have to do this. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Just all of Leviticus and Deuteronomy is God being like, I didn't know I had to say this, but yeah. <laughs> well, I guess don't you do guys came thing. into my presence the wrong way. And now I have to outline every single way that this has to work now. I told you, you only sacrifice the animal. <laughs> oh man. That, that's good though. I think like, cause I know like when we were like going through like our like church crap and stuff, like I had people literally telling me they're like, Hey, like you should be the senior pastor. Like, you should do, I was just like, I'm 23. <laughs> like, like, no, dude. Like, I've like, I remember, like, I've always told people, I was like, you don't pastor from a pulpit. Like, you, like, that's just like, that's not a thing. But yeah, it's scary yeah, to me, so even true. like looking back, you know, because when you're a young 20 something and you graduate from Bible college, everybody wants you to be a youth pastor, right? Like, I had mm-hmm. two different churches. At one Which point. I would love to do. That would be awesome. And um, 
everybody wants you to be a youth pastor and now like and now that i'm at that age i'm like dude being a youth pastor is such an important and arguably in a lot of ways more difficult than being a lead pastor like it's such an important job it's crazy to me that we give that to like 22 year olds who just graduated from school like i don't know man not that like i'm not i'm not trying to bar any from anyone from ministry if the spirit calls you then you dude way to gatekeep but it's just like gatekeeping right now it's absolutely insane to me how many like children and i i will put myself in this camp because you know i'm i'm 20 uh five now i almost said 26 i don't know how old i am (laughs) um and i was gonna say go ahead I, I was just gonna say like i feel like a child sometimes with a lot of stuff like i'm in my master's program i'm working with like amazing scholars and i still get the like i don't feel adequate to preach the gospel to people sometimes and it's like crazy to me that we're putting like 22 year olds in positions of ministry like that anyway go on no i was gonna say like it's actually like could say because i feel like with you specifically there's more like legal trouble you know like yeah there's like more legal responsibility than like yeah to to a degree dude but no honestly and like that's a huge problem putting like 22 year old males around a lot of teenage (laughs) girls you should not let anybody you should not let any 22 year old who graduates bible college in that position like i'm sorry that's just a fact dude have more discernment (laughs) Just, it's it's really funny to me. It's like, oh my gosh. And then we wonder why there's so many problems in the church. Yeah, honestly, like man. legit. Like, mm. oh bummer. There's another sexual scandal that just happened. It's crazy. Huh? That's crazy. crazy. Wild. Oh, you got a joke, Joe? Oh, oh are we starting, dude? Because I had, I did not prepare two jokes for oh. this, dude. Do you want to make one up? I had I, I had workshopped something about a Pentecostal's think... favorite food being cow tongue. Ooh. That that was just funny to me. But then I was like, nah, I like that. Wow. That would that would have been. That's funny. what I was you like used hoping that one. for. <laughs> That's what you were hoping for. <laughs> well, I think yeah. you're gonna be like talking about like someone like tongue in cheek or something or like I don't know. Oh, like, dude. What's like a favorite? Like like what's like Pentecostal's favorite taco? Like lengua, which is like beef tongue. <laughs> Dude, do you want to write my jokes for me? Dude. <laughs> be a ghostwriter. Sydney, do you want to start? Dude, Sydney, do you have a cow joke? Yes, I do. What are, uh, what are Pentecostal's favorite uh, beef tacos? I don't know what. Lingua. Oh, crap. <laughs> Lingua. I talk good. Oh, Jordan knows a single theological term. <laughs> Watch out, everybody. Reading is such an essential skill to life. How, how is anyone bad at it? Yeah, I'm pumped. Do I sound pumped? I will play devil's advocate. Yeah. You're not Jesus or Paul. Lay your philosophy uh, on destroy me. Destroy me with your facts and logic. We disagree on just about every, like, secondary major aspect of Christianity. <laughs> Dude, I'm probably, they're probably like, mm, yeah, no, it's not Spanish. <laughs> it's, I believe that's cultural appropriation, actually. Hey, welcome hey, to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I'm Jordan. Do you want oh, me to introduce I'm, I'm Joe. you? Okay. I'm sorry, I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jordan. Okay. <laughs>
We're starting this over. There's no way. <laughs> no, I'm leaving this all in. You gotta get better cues, Jordan. It's your fault. I would assume when I say cues. I'm Jordan, you would go, "Oh, and I'm Joe," and we'll just say, "I'll I'll write uh, it down." I'm gonna add this all to the doc. I'm gonna say Jordan will introduce himself and then wait for Joe to introduce <laughs> himself, and then we will give it off to the guest. <laughs> Dude, it should be in the doc because like we did it. We recorded episode two. I know. And we almost didn't even like go in with the names. I know. So. Crazy. Um welcome back. Thank you for being here. We're doing part two. Uh we want <laughs> we wanted to go over some arguments for continuationism, uh or against cessationism, if you will, if you'd rather word it that way. So um I just have a couple here and uh I hope maybe Sid can can uh provide some context here if he so wishes, but Bro, I think feel free to be as monotone and unenergetic as possible <laughs> with this episode. Dude, I'm in. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, so we're going to get into it. If you've been enjoying our content, I keep forgetting to do this. I have it in the docket and I keep forgetting to do it. If you're enjoying the content, feel free to like and subscribe. You don't have to. Um, but we really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. You know, Joe and I have already seen so much, uh, feedback from people, uh, for this podcast, which has just been amazing to see. So we really appreciate in, uh, you guys tuning in to listen to us and, um, special announcement. This is the first time we're announcing it because I keep forgetting to do it, but, uh, Joe and I have decided that if we reach... <laughs> a thousand subscribers across every platform follows likes whatever a thousand people following us on every platform uh in social media that we have we will get the sacred cows pod logo tattooed on our bodies <laughs> so uh so i i do have to clarify we have we workshop this yeah. with our wives i it, ca- it has to be all podcast platforms it can't be social media yeah, we had to come up with the terms of yeah. the deal. It's got to be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And I was going to go with, let's just get 100 mm-hmm. and then 500. But my wife kept raising the bar for it. She was like, nah. Yeah. And I think she said 1,000 because she thinks that uh, we'll never get 1,000. Yeah. So uh, we have to stick it to her and <laughs> actually do it. So please subscribe. Yeah, help us get our tattoos. Uh, and we'll make a special little episode about it. But um, so uh, thank you for being here, Sid. Welcome back. Sid is our reoccurring guest, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again at various points in the future. I'm sure this won't be the only episode you ever guest on. Uh, but we appreciate you being here, man. It's nice to have another yeah, person who's in my my theological circle. <laughs> it feels really good. Joe, you got to get in on this, man. You got to pick somebody who mm-hmm. like takes your position on everything and can just like shove it to me constantly okay (laughs) you're like say less absolutely next week Uh, next week i'm getting john MacArthur on the podcast (laughs) dude don't do that uh don't don't put me in the same ballpark with john MacArthur. doug wilson all right come on oh dude that's (laughs) not better I'm in um, Jesus' camp. How about that? Amen. We can all be in Jesus' camp. Mm, wow. Amen. <laughs> um, wow, what a cop-out. Yeah. Good job, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that sounds more Pentecostal than us. Uh, I've out-Pentecostaled you. 
I just have a couple arguments for continuationism. Um, my first argument is that it seems to be explicitly scriptural. You know, we talked about this a lot in the last podcast. It, it like Corinthians talks about it. Um, it seems to be that the New Testament explicitly commands us to do these things and to pray for these things. And um, I just don't, I don't see any scriptural ever evidence to, uh, otherwise. I think the arguments for cessationism are not out of scripture, but they are out of um, theological frameworks and reasoning. And I'm not saying that as like a defeater, like, oh, they're not based entirely off of scripture, so they're inherently wrong. Like, I think we can find truths everywhere, right? But I think scripture, it seems hard to me to argue that scripture is not pretty explicit in talking about the gifts and encouraging believers in the gifts. So, um, that's all I got to say about that. Do you guys want to hop in? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's a very like, um, hot take, I guess. I don't know that that's very like offensive to say that it seems pretty explicitly scriptural. Cause a lot of the cessationists I read, they really struggle with that. They're like, yeah, it seems like, you know, we've, t- we were talking about this in the, um, in the egalitarian episode how complementarianism seems to be explicitly scriptural and like that's something that i as a egalitarian have to wrestle with and i think for this specific uh theological conversation it's the opposite like it seems explicitly scriptural to me so yeah i think like that's what i'd say is like i feel like for most like pentecostals charismatics like the your cornerstone verse is like first corinthians 14 1 like earnestly or pursue love earnestly desire spiritual gifts especially when you may prophesy and then i think for me a big thing too is um we talked about this in our uh first episode but um i think like almost everywhere where paul lists out any type of gifts he doesn't distinguish between like miraculous or like supernatural and like regular gifts and so like i think like that's a big thing like i think prophecy is like always included and like most times when he like lists out teaching or any type of like gift. Yeah. Yeah. Prophecy is a big one. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And I think, um, I think uh, frankly, like a lot of people don't understand prophecy or don't have like a very fleshed out framework surrounding prophecy because it's kind of strange. And, um, I think we as Christians need to wrestle with a few facts around prophecy, which we do not have time to get in for, but maybe we should do an I'm curious. devoted to prophecy. What future. few facts do we need to wrestle with, Jordan? Um, that prophecy in the Old Testament seems to be a position and not like a, spe- a specific gifting from God, like prophets were raised up by other prophets and it seemed more of like a ministry position that was meant to bring Israel back into its proper covenant with God rather than like, I feel like a lot of Christians I talk to today, their framework of prophecy is like God gives the Christian magic words to say. And then that Christian speaks with the authority of God about some future event that's going to happen. And I just it like, I think that can happen sometimes in certain scenarios, but I don't think that's like the nominal or the, the, um, the normal depiction of, uh, prophecy that you see throughout the majority of scripture. So I think what I throw in is, I don't know if like in the old Testament, like just off the top of my head, like I think of like first Kings 18 where like Obadiah, he hides like 50 prophets, 
like in caves or whatever and um i don't and i think like that's like one of those things like um i think like this comes back to like the authority of scripture type thing like having this conversation of like those prophets their prophetic words were never like written down in scripture so i don't think because i most people who don't have like a grasp on like i guess not a grasp like an understanding of like the role of a prophet and the prophetic like there is a difference between like a prophet and like what we would like distinguish as a prophet in our camp versus like um somebody receiving like a prophetic word or giving a prophetic word because like i believe like all christians you know have the opportunity to like give a prophetic word or a word of knowledge versus like a prophet is like someone who's like distinguished by like knowing to like be speaking like as god as a mouthpiece for god i'd say yeah so you wouldn't say there are prophets per se i would say there's prophets but not like um yeah yeah i'd say like i'd say there's prophets i'm okay with that and where it goes into because i think like where this conversation is going to lead which you can correct me like it is like the false prophets like is a false prophet somebody that misses a prophetic word and like you know doesn't say it right or is a false prophet something else and i think what i would say would be a false prophet we have um the early church or not the early church i think we have like the didache which i think was um in the part of the church manuscripts or it was like offered up but they didn't take it in and so um in there it recognizes apostles and prophets and it says like how you distinguish a false prophet is if, if they ask for money right and so i would say like a false prophet is someone who asks for money and not necessarily miss a word because like the same thing with scripture like it's like inspired and errant word of god right but someone can miss teach scripture in the same way as we receive a word from the Lord, like that word is like generally from the Lord. Like it's from the, the Lord. It's like, an, um, I forget like the right verbiage for it, but like the translation of it can be misapplied, if that makes sense. Or even like the application of it could be misapplied. So I think that's what I would say is like, I believe when someone receives a prophetic word, I believe that word that they receive is true. And it's like from the God, but how it's delivered can be misapplied because we're all broken vessels. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. I wouldn't have even um approached it from that way. So I like I appreciate uh you being here because that's really interesting. And I, I think I agree with all of that. Um yeah, I, I was... don't I'm sorry, Jordan, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, uh, I was out. just hyping up uh, Sid. <laughs> we need pushback. Dude, we, oh, dude, we can, we can hype up Sid all we want. I'll hype up Sid all day. Yeah. It'll be dude, fine. So handsome, uh, dude. This <laughs> Carolina hat. Oh uh, yeah, dude. I gotta. You know, I was from Indiana, but you know, this shows I'm putting my roots down here. You know, dude. Yeah. That's that's the You gotta Lord. represent. Joe is a huge Canes fan, so I was like, oh, man, sick. heck yeah, heck we yeah. should come down and go to Raleigh and go to a Canes game. Dude, I'd do it. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I mean, I think that there's a huge difference between what we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament in terms of prophecy. Um, I think explicitly in the Old Testament, the prophetic work is is less about, you know, uh, you know, my my camp will mostly say it's about like telling the future, right? Like prophecies, like for the future. Yeah, and I think that that happens. Right. Clearly that happens. There was prophecies about Christ. There's prophecies about end time stuff. I think mostly the most overlooked part of prophecy is just simply holding Israel accountable to 
the law and what God has called them to do. And so obviously that means that that doesn't necessitate it being written down. Um, and so I think when you get to the New Testament, it's more so about like God directing his church um, and trying to, you know, instill in them what their action needs to be when you don't have scripture. Right. So, I mean, like prophecy stay around or not, like prophecy is always beholden to scripture, which I don't think that you guys disagree with. Like, I think the emphasis in the New Testament is especially, is especially that, like, what did Christ tell us to do? In what manner are we supposed to do that? Like, how are we supposed to follow through with what Christ has commanded us to do? Um, so I will say that. Yeah, I'm okay with that for the most part. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they talk about um, prophecy, they assume that, like, I've heard a lot that uh, a lot of people have, when talking to me, have been like, okay, so you believe that somebody can get a word of prophecy and then like canon continues like if they write down their prophecy then that should be added to the bible and scripture isn't closed and i have to be like no scripture scripture is closed canon is closed i don't think anybody's adding to scripture i think prophecy comes from god directly but it is always like true prophecy to me will never disagree with scripture in any way that's a that's an impossibility if there's somebody who is prophesying and they're saying something contrary to scripture then they're a false prophet like just so evidently to me um but yeah so i i was just like i think there's a lot of um conversation to be had around prophecy because i just think like yeah. mm -hmm. it's it's just not very fleshed out <laughs> i think in the um in the christian zeitgeist of today you know yeah and i would say like the function of prophecy biblically speaking like um paul says like let you know two or three like weigh the word right to judge the word and i think like and this is like just practical like if you if someone ever gives you a prophetic word it's like kind of just that thing of like you're the one to judge that word for you and if it's not like one if it doesn't resonate with you or lining up with scripture then like that's not the lord and the same way too like i also feel very uncomfortable with like prophesying thus says the lord like i'm not like just to like leave room for like you know like hey like you're being used as a mouthpiece for god right now and so i think you know having that verbiage of like you know i feel like or this type of thing is like really important in that but yeah i think the prophetic out of the gifts is like my probably like my favorite i think i'd say for me mm -hmm. but, yeah the um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, are you are you looking to move on, Jordan? I am. Do you have more to add? Feel free. To. I mean, we could sit here and talk about prophecy for a while. For a long I time. think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's better if you just go ahead, go for um, it. We'll have we'll have Sydney back on when we talk about prophecy. There you go. Yeah, that'd be dope. Um, argument number two: Pentecostalism or continuationism explosively promotes the gospel. I know this is not going to be very compelling to uh, certain people, but. It's really a kind of a utilitarian argument. But if you're like, hey, more people hearing the gospel is important. Pentecostalism is the fastest growing theological uh, camp in the entire world. And it's not even close. It's like if Pentecostals do one thing really well, it's missions in spreading the gospel. Uh, we do it explosively. So um so Pentecostals are on track to overtake traditional reformed 
um, traditional, more reformed theological camps, which is insane because we've only been around for like a hundred years explicitly. So like really re- growing really, really fast. And so if you care about people uh, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Pentecostalism seems to be doing pretty good in that regard. Seems to be a good thing. I think that that's fair. I've been hearing that since I was in high school. Um, I think the very first negative interactions I had expressed about Pentecostals, I think my youth pastor was like, well, you know that they share the gospel more than anybody else does. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I guess I won't be a douche. Um, I guess the pushback against that that I would have is like, I understand that like good theology, right, isn't salific. Like everybody has holes in their theology. Admittedly, like, you you know, Jordan, you and I talked about this recently on one of our episodes where it's like, I think it was the comments one where it's like good theology isn't a prerequisite to get to heaven. It's belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Um, And so it just it is hard for me because like you guys were talking about last episodes, like Pentecostals aren't known for having good theology. Like you're trying to change that. It's hard for me to discern the line because like you don't know if everybody is saved, right? Like I have no guarantee aside from myself that everybody that I know who professes Christ is actually a Christian. It's just hard when you add extra elements to me that are like supernatural. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't believe that everybody that I go to church with is a Christian just because I know numbers. Right. So it's almost like a straw man to me. It's like, oh, well, we grow faster than anybody else. It's like, yeah, but you can't guarantee that everybody who says that they're a believer is like invisible, visible church. Right. So it's just especially when you're coming from a denomination that isn't known for instilling the best theology in people like it's not really a good argument for me, but I don't know. You feel free to shoot that down. Yeah, no, I get, I think that's fair. Um, I think if you want to be, yeah, 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 definitely. I think if you are concerned about Pentecostal theology and that's like a very, a very big grievance for you, I think it's fair to be concerned about like whether it's wise that that's the biggest spread of Christianity that's occurring right now. Um, For me, man, if the gospel is being preached to people who would not otherwise hear it, I care about very little past that. Like, and I, I get that there's a danger there because you have like, um, there is a danger with bad theology because you have a lot of cults who spring out of revivals, right? That's a very common occurrence. And I think that's, that's a bad thing, but I think that God commands us to preach the gospel and we're doing that really well. And I think Christians should also, after preaching the gospel, set down roots and build churches and make sure people are theologically educated properly. But like if the gospel is being spread at the end of the day, that is, that is enough for me. Even so, I guess it's not even an argument for numbers for me of like, look how many people are in our churches. It's more of a like, Pentecostals really care about missions, like really, really care about spreading the gospel. And so, so do evangelicals. Be, yeah. And, but statistically, just not the same amount. I mean, 
Like I'm not I'm not saying any particular evangelical does not care about spreading the gospel as much as any particular Pentecostal, but just in like the modern from, era for sure. Yeah, from yeah. like a wide bird's eye view, it just seems like Pentecostals are killing it in the in the evangelism department. So I think that's a net good for the world. I think every Christian can kind of get behind that sentiment. I guess, Sid. I don't know if you have anything to to add on to that. No, I think that's good. I think like um, I can definitely see how it can be like a straw man because it's just like oh, like you know, whoever has like the most like you know NBA championship rings is the best NBA player of all time. Right. You know, it's just like okay, that's like some bench player on the Jordans or on the you know I know basketball on, on the Bulls, <laughs> but like. Um, but I do think there is something to be said about language and function. And I think that is like, even because I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like the Southern Baptist convention, like they changed their bylaws for missionaries for speaking in tongues. You know, I think it is evident that like, you know, in evangelism, like we are, like they are seeing like the supernatural occur. And so I feel like within that context, that's an argument for continuationism that like, hey, this is occurring so much that like we should change our bylaws because like we're not having missionaries for our denomination. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially if you take into account that miraculous things tend to happen more overseas. Yeah. Yep. For better or worse. Uh, I, I, I don't like numbers games. Like even in like our own... Um, denomination it's it's really difficult because you're like oh we have this many people in our church what does that mean like i have this many confirmed pentecostals well maybe you share the gospel more does everybody who go to a pentecostal church refer to themselves a pentecostal so it's like is everybody who claims pentecostal actually a believer like you could just go off the rails with that for like literally any denomination though so i understand that um yeah. it's just like not super compelling to me as an argument but yeah. I understand. That's fair. Dude, that's the problem with yeah. arguments is uh, not everything is going to be compelling to everybody. I'm, I'm not against sharing the gospel with people. You should do that. That's you think that's you a good do. thing. You concede uh, that that's a good thing. I concede that Say, that's a good thing. Thank you, More power Joe. to you. I would right. like as many people to go to heaven as possible. Um, uh, if you're listening, dear viewer, please tally a point in the Pentecostals' favor <laughs> for that one. We beat Joe. <laughs> um. It's like indisputable data. If I yeah. get to define the data, it's indisputable. It's fine. <laughs> if I get to find what the most important thing is, it's fine. Yeah. It's almost mean. like journalism. So if somebody experiences something, it's verified. You know? <laughs> kind of yeah. Like... like the Wesleyan quadrilateral. <laughs> Amen. I don't my know what you're complaining about right now. How I view the world <laughs> and therefore my experience is the best one. Um. My next. I don't argument. actually believe that, and I don't actually believe that you think that, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for it. clarifying. Uh, my next argument. I think this is the most personally compelling one to me, besides just like personally witnessing it myself. And it's that the church has historically been continuationist, and um, Irenaeus famously in Against Heresies, he like one of his major arguments in the book is he is uh, talking about the Arians and his strike, his argument against them is that they have no gifts of the spirit going on in their churches. 
And he's like, if you were a true church, if you really followed after Christ, you would have the gifts of the Spirit going on. And he's like, look at my church. People are praying in tongues. People are prophesying. People are being healed constantly. Like, this is the mark of the true church. Uh, that's the language Irenaeus uses. And Irenaeus is like 200s, I think. I think he's like 180 to 2 something. I don't know. You don't You don't know off the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head. Um. You also have other figures like Justin Martyr. I know, Joe, you're really fond of Justin Martyr. Uh, Justin, like Martyr Justin Martyr talks about how prophecy is present with us now. He's talking, you know, in his day. Justin Martyr's... Uh, I wrote 165 AD. I'm not sure if that's like... Um, if that's when... I think that was the year that whatever I'm quoting is written. But it's from one of his letters. Um, his letter to some disciple. He's like, prophecy is with us now and it will not pass away. And then um, you have uh, people like Cyprian of Carthage. He talks about receiving visions and prophecy. He's 258 AD. People cite uh, Augustine a lot because in Augustine's earliest writings, he's like, the miraculous does absolutely does not occur. That has already passed away. But most people don't know that in City of God, which is the last book he ever writes, uh, he recants this view completely and he goes he essentially says along the lines of like, there's so much overwhelming for uh, evidence for the miraculous gifts. Like I absolutely can't deny it. It's everywhere in the church. So he actually recants from his earlier views that the gifts had passed away and says like, yeah, they are way too evident for me to, to deny him. And so it seems to me that they're super prevalent in the early church, even well after the closing of the canon of scripture and the apostolic fathers seem to be really jazzed about them being really important to the life and health of the church. So that's pretty personally for me. That's that's pretty compelling. You know, I'm not, I'm not like I'm a good evangelical, so I'm not saying tradition is like the most important thing. But along with scripture, that seems really hard for me to argue against that that was not like important for the church. Thirty-second rebuttal. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I hope you know, Jordan. There's been situations, many situations, where I've like had conversations with cessationists or people who are searching uh, about like miraculous gifts theology, um, and I've that's a question that's come up before. Oh, do the church fathers talk about? And I always say yes. I, I know that that's I always say no. I say Pentecostals <laughs> made it up. <laughs> yeah. I always, uh, straw man, no. Yeah. Uh, the only thing, I don't necessarily think that, again, I don't really have a strong argument against that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it's the marks of a true church, so I don't agree with Irenaeus on How that. How dare you? Uh, which is crazy to me. Like, I don't think that you should read the fathers with a grain of salt, first of all. Yeah, because a lot of the church fathers would be completely heretical by our standards, like and in danger of hellfire by our understanding. So you need to like read through them and be like, oh yes, but no, like you do with anything with discernment. So that's mm -hmm. all I will say. Yeah, but I understand Irenaeus, Justin Martyr. Haven't heard the Augustine part until just now. Have to look that up for myself, mm. but sure. I think it's page. 93 to 27. Oh, yeah. Are you looking it up right now? <laughs> Let me no, just no, go to my City of God copy. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
yeah i wouldn't add anything i think that's good yeah I'm cool with it i um this is kind of a rabbit trail but i think i've talked about how i like people quoting and citing augustine is always so funny to me because like hey. it's so evident that most people have never read him and they're just like pulling this random quote from him and also augustine is really difficult because he changes a lot <laughs> over his lifetime like yeah. it's not just the miraculous gifts like 80 percent conservatively 80 yeah. percent of his theology changes over his lifetime so if whatever augustine says changes so much depending on what time frame you're reading him in so i also think it depends on what like the purpose of the work is that he's reading yeah because like people don't they just cite augustine they don't really think about the context of what he's writing on yeah well people do that a very common um i get this all the time because people cite aquinas <laughs> all the time if you're in philosophy right. So many people cite Aquinas and they miss they uh, misattribute his citations because in Summa, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Summa, um, but the way that Aquinas argues is he will set up a premise and then he'll like give counter arguments to what he's saying throughout the entire chapter and then he'll say what he really believes. So people will often cite stuff that he is giving as a counter as what he believes, which is just like completely wrong but anyways so it's super easy to like misquote the church father i mean you could throw aquinas you could throw aquinas in your list too because like he clearly has miraculous experiences yeah so yeah i'm well yeah middle ages, i was so. trying to stick to uh to like early patristic fathers but i yeah. also hate I like like giving any points to the thomists <laughs> i feel like that I mean, that's kind of an important argument, though, because, like, you can argue through it throughout time and not just, like, because the the part of the argument is still that, like, there's a time period where, like, it's cut off. Yeah. So. Dang. You should yeah. be Pentecostal, Joe. You know that? <laughs> Dude, I don't have to be, I don't have to agree with the ideas to understand them. It's the lost art of understanding a I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you here. It. You're going to come across the aisle at some point. <laughs> Um, number four, Pentecostalism seems to occur naturally in new ch in new churches. Joe was laughing at my wording of this before this before the episode started. It seems to occur in new churches without any theological intervention. And what I mean by that is there it is commonly the case when new churches are stood up in unchurched like completely unchurched areas, not like what we mean in America, but like completely unreached people groups when churches are stood up and the bible is translated in their languages they seem to resemble pentecostals on their own pretty naturally that's pretty common even if you don't want to say okay they don't resemble pentecostals explicitly they seem to believe in the gifts and they seem to practice and actively um actively push for the gifts of the spirit in churches without any theological intervention or goading from uh, missionaries so that's like not an uncommon thing that occurs so it seems to be kind of natural to new churches to lean towards pentecostalism or continuationism 30 second rebuttal joe go <laughs> i don't need 30 seconds <laughs> you, you know what else is natural in new churches jordan mm, hit me that occurs often without being prompted by anybody heresy Heresy. 
That's yeah. fine. That's not a compelling argument at all. All right. <laughs> Sid, anything to add? <laughs> you yeah, say? no, I would just say, I think for me, I would might like switch this around and maybe talk about revival more, which buzzword mm. ahead, alert, alert. Um, true revival is a sign mm. of repentance, uh, social change, economic change. And um, I would say it's very distinguished by one, the Holy Spirit moving, but also salvation. And so um, I think if we look throughout all like real revival history, there was some type of change that occurred. Like Azusa Street, there was a um, first time that we had interracial worship together, right? In the Western church, that was very pivotal. Ironically, the Azusa revival ended because of racism. But, um, and so like, you know, I want to caveat that for the other aisle. <laughs> but I think there always is like a very distinguished between a move of God, like the supernatural does occur. And I would say salvation is a supernatural occurrence. Like that doesn't like I would really say that. And like Yeah. I, yeah. So Yeah. That's good. I like that a lot, actually. No oh, oh what? No thirty second rebuttal for Sid? Because you like no nope. more than I me. think that revival, if it's a true revival, it is a sign of true repentance, and I think salvation is a miraculous thing. Dang. You need to have yeah. Sid on more. Joe's so nice <laughs> to you. He's always so mean to me. <laughs> I feel like by the fourth episode, he's going to be like, so this authority thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just go back to this one hangout that I had three hours ago? <laughs> um, my last argument uh, is that we we talked about this in the previous episode, but Paul says that the gifts will not pass away until the perfect comes. I think contextually and uh, biblically, that is referring to the new heaven and new earth and us being fully completely united with god um so i think that's what the perfect is referring to and if i'm right that that's what the perfect is referring to then paul is saying the gifts will not pass away until that happens so they would still be present today yeah short of just going and exegeting that passage right now i i don't have really have anything to say about that yeah Man. sure all right if you're keeping tally that's point number two for jordan <laughs> oh, can, can you give that can you give the last one to sydney please yeah absolutely keep, actually it's, it's two points for sid honestly mm -hmm. at this point mm -hmm. three points for sid sid thanks for being here man yeah we appreciate no, having you on such a good this time. Is awesome I, I love this i think Dude, the reason why I love this so much is because I feel like the biggest like thing is like it is like straw manning each other's sides, you know. Yeah. And I think like, and that's why I noticed too is like I don't feel like there's like actual like understanding of what's being conveyed because I feel like there is one little like caveat of like vice versa. But I would ask Joe if tongues wasn't as weird as it is, if he'd be more okay with it. <laughs> so what would make it less weird? That's the thing. Mm, well. Uh, is a virgin birth weird? Well, yeah, clearly. Yeah. So uh, it's not that it's weird, because uh, I guess you know, with that line of reasoning, all miracles are weird, right? Because they're supernatural; mm -hmm. they're not something that we're abundantly familiar with. I, the part with tongues is that there's so much confusion involved in it, and I don't think that I think that we speak truth and God's word into confusion. And I think God gives clarity. So if there was a way to make it more clear 
more definitive and more easily understandable. Like it's 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 the difference between like primarily experiencing God through like emotions, I think, and primarily experiencing God through like uh, truth. And I don't what I mean by that is I'm not saying that either of you guys have a stronger emphasis on like that you don't think that truth is a real thing and you just like are hippies. Right. I'm not saying that genuinely. I'm not saying that. And I don't think you guys are dumb. But I think that the way my brain works is I need some sort of verifiable justification for that that makes sense to me. And I don't have one that's just definitive. Like, I need something in my head to say, like, this lines up with what I think scripture means. And this is truth. And this is something that is verifiable. Because in the end of the day, God is the one who's supposed to get the glory for what's happening here. And so it's just hard for me to say like, oh, tongues, like weirdness, mm -hmm. uh, weirdness aside, like I have no verification that, that that's actually a real thing that's happening. And every verification I get is secondhand or thirdhand from somebody else. So if that was to happen to me, if there was something like that, that was to happen, then yeah, I'd be more on board with it. Mm. Yeah. I just can't verify. I like Jordan says that he believes this thing. You say that you believe this thing. I just can't verify that because it's not my experience, and it mm -hmm. doesn't seem to line up with how I understand scripture. That's all. Mm. Yeah. What are you going to say, Jordan? You got you got this. You had that little puggish smile. No, I was face. gonna. Um, I think I said this at the beginning of the of the last episode. Is like a lot of this just boils down to experience and like that's at the end of the day for me i can you know come up with these arguments i can formulate it i can look to scripture which i think i should do i think a good pentecostal should do all those things but dude i've seen the gifts happen you know like i've seen the miraculous in like completely undeniable ways i've pe had people tell me very specific things that i was struggling with spiritually during service and like giving me words of knowledge that they could not have known, like absolutely could not have known. And so if I don't, if I say to myself, no, this is ceased, none of that was from God. Like none of that was, was real or I was deceived or it was a spiritual power, but it was like a devilish spiritual power or something, sure. man, I would have to completely like, completely reevaluate my faith in its entirety like i i i don't know that i could trust myself to know anything i think that would force me to be a complete skeptic you know and so i think a lot of this conversation just boils down to personal experience and i i like i think that's unfortunate but i don't know how to like i just so, don't know that that's not just the case you know let me ask you this then mm -hmm. like because you said a few episodes ago that there is no secondary issue that should be that should make you rethink a primary issue mm -hmm. of Christianity. So if the, the, I, to, the miraculous gifts in tongues is a secondary issue in Christianity, mm -hmm. but you're saying that this is the one for you that would make you rethink all of the other truth that you know. Not theologically, I should clarify. It would not like it is not that this specific theological thing. I don't believe anymore so now i need to reevaluate everything i believe about the person of jesus christ it would be like if i found out none of that was true i would have to take a hard look at myself and and see if i could even trust my senses 
Like, can I trust what I see and what I experience and what I know in any way, shape or form? How do I know that I know things, you know? And I think that would inevitably bleed into how do I even know the gospel? Like, how, how do I know that if I'm going to doubt these other things that I think are very clearly from God and I have no other way to explain them, I think that would force me to be more skeptical in everything. And I'm not saying like for sure that would cause me to like rethink every single thing about my faith and cause me to not be a Christian or fall away or whatever. I don't think it would cause me to fall away. I think I would still be Christian. Well, but, your salvation isn't dependent upon you. Yeah, it would. Well, <laughs> I think it would just introduce a lot of doubt and dread into my spiritual life. Sure. Like it would be very, very hard to reconcile. So, but th- this is the problem that I'm talking about. Like, I don't, I understand, like, I'm trying to be respectful to your experiences. Like mm-hmm. I would never downplay things that you've experienced. Like, but the reality of it is, is that I don't want that. Mm. I don't want what I know is true to be altered because an experience wasn't true and experiences are fickle, right? I want to put my faith and trust in something that is true and real, right? Mm -hmm. Not in something that may or may not be. And that's where I go to in my head. It's like, I know that scripture is true. I know that this is from God. I don't have proof that these experiences are because I know myself well enough to know that my experiences often don't line up with what i know is true let me um i see what you're saying let me let me reframe a hypothetical for you say you wake up tomorrow joe and there have been all these studies and this overwhelming amount of evidence and archaeological evidence and historical documents come out just this overwhelming undeniable amount of proof that scripture is not scripture that the bible was created 10 years ago or whatever and people have just been brainwashed into believing that it's 10 true. years ago <laughs> and it's completely like scripture is completely false in every way you might still be a christian right you might still believe in the deity of christ and what you know about christ you might still believe all that right But in the very least, you'd be like, oh, man, I have to figure out I have to figure this out now, because one of the ways I was sure that God communicated with me turned out to not be true at all. And so it's the same like I have faith that what I've seen has is came directly from God. I don't think anything could convince me otherwise that the miracles I've seen were not miracles that were directly from God. I think that's completely insane to me to even suggest that I'm just saying hypothetically if my entire world came crashing down tomorrow, I would have to struggle with some stuff, you know? Is that fair? I think Does it's fair. Sense? I don't think it's a one-for-one one comparison. I think for me, what I would throw out is, um, I remember, I think it was like a couple episodes back, you were uh, referencing purity culture. And about oh, you how, listen to um, our podcast. Thank you. Yes, I do. Shout out, uh, like, and subscribe to Sacred Cows. Thousands of balls. <laughs> Thousands of subs. They get tattoos. Just remember that. Yes, sir. There's going to be a rule behind <laughs> not, not getting tattoos. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, um, yeah, I think with the gifts, I would, I, I hear what Jordan's saying, and I agree with it, too. I, and I'm sure he would agree with what I'm about to say. Um, my theological framework would really be shattered 
if like the gifts aren't for today. But in the same way, I um, wouldn't leave my faith because of that. And like the same way with like purity culture, I see that like people like their beef with like, you know, Christianity was purity culture because I think there was some truth in purity culture, but there was some bad stuff in purity culture. And the same way with sensationalism, there is truth in there, but there's also abuse and um, taught um, like just stuff that's incorrect and not biblical that's taught. And so, like, I think in the same way, um, it's kind of like just like how do you use this tool that the Holy Spirit has give gifted us in that? I don't know if that's like if that correlates or makes sense at all. Yeah. Or if that's like a rabbit trail. No, it does. Um, yeah. I. The problem is, is that I don't think it's a one for one comparison. I know you do I, hate analogies. <laughs> I actually liked both of those analogies. Uh. Good. Uh, The reason I don't think it's a one-for-one comparison, though, is because, like, I don't know. I was going to say historical evidence, but that's not fair because there is historical evidence for, you know. And I'm not, like, I'm not putting the The miraculous gifts on the same pedestal as Scripture. I want to be very clear with that. I hold to Scripture (laughs) first and foremost. I hold to Sola Scriptura. The problem is, is that experiences and the miraculous gifts are a secondary issue in my head. And scripture is an issue of dogma. Like if I woke up tomorrow and found that a dogma wasn't true, that if scripture wasn't the like, you know, inspired, breathed out word of God, that would shatter not just my faith, but that would break down Christianity as a whole. Like, because scripture has been the for like at the forefront of Christianity, right? Because that's the point. It, that would be a lot different than finding out for me that a secondary issue, like, like I could wake up tomorrow and find out that, like, I now have the gift of tongues and I would be okay with that. Like, that wouldn't shatter my reality at all. I could wake up tomorrow and, and, and you know, pray and see miraculous healings and, you know, people would could prophesy and I wouldn't have any problem with that. Like that would be in keeping with scripture to me. But like if I woke up tomorrow and that found out that scripture was like not true, that had been manufactured, like if you if there was conclusive evidence to 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 say that, like that would shatter everything. I, I just I have trouble seeing like the I understand I, I resonate with the sentiment but I have trouble with the comparison. Mm. Like, I don't think that it's one. I think that there is more cause to have faith in one way than another way. Would I would say, would you say it's important for a believer to get baptized? No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sid, I think it's <laughs> I would say then like, in the same way of like salvation isn't, oh, okay. Salvation isn't dependent on <laughs> baptism. Like in the same way, operating Whoa. gifts. Yeah, I know. I like, Whoa. What's the audience like? But like in the same way, like gifts isn't dependent on um, salvation. Like you don't sure. have to speak in tongues to be saved. Right. Um, and in that way, like I think that's where I'm at. Where it, and again, like it comes back to um, like when we talked about this. It comes back to function. And like, and I think it also comes back to correction because, like, as we said, like, you know, there's Pentecostals that love the Holy Spirit more than Jesus. And I would say the other aisle loves the Bible more than Jesus. And then I was Oof. like, okay, where's the middle line should we be with the word and spirit? 
And I would say there is a function in the gifts. And just like as a egalitarian, there's a lot of hoops I have to jump through. And I think there's um, less hoops to jump through as a continuationist than the other side, you know? But like, I see like both sides and I really see the heart. But I think like, if we're called to be an evangelist based religion, like the gifts are shown to be in operation with salvation or conversions. Mm. Yeah, I think to me, I think theoretically I could remain Christian after finding out scripture is not true. Like I, I agree with you, Joe, to an extent that I think it would have obviously huge effects <laughs> on Christianity. But I think for me, the, my dogma is Jesus is the Christ and he was raised from the dead. And like everything past that, like if that fact turns out not to be true, then I will recant Christianity in a second. But like that is the linchpin for my faith. Not that like if scripture isn't true, <laughs> that's really difficult and a horribly hard thing to navigate. I'm just not sure it would like cause me to, to recant. And in the same way, like to me, the gifts are the gifts that I have witnessed, I've experienced. I want to be very clear that I'm not talking about like my theology of Pentecostalism. I'm talking about the things that I have witnessed with my own two eyes consistently over my lifetime. Like that would be that would be difficult for me. I would have to I would struggle with that a little bit, you know, so. That's fair. I, I just, you just hate I, me. That's say it. Say it with your chest. I just think you're wrong, Jordan. I think you're an idiot. Stupid. Shut up. Um, no one wants to listen to you anymore. That's well, what we have like say. thirty views an episode, so I think some people want to listen to it, which is kind of crazy. Hey, we're to moving me, up, but, dude. dude yeah, that's up. more than a small group. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I just find that hard. Yeah. That's hard for me to rationalize how you could not believe in scripture and still want to follow after Christ mm. because scripture is the only thing that we have to know about who Christ was. Um, aside from like the history of the church, but it's the sure. only way to know his teaching. Are you raising your hand or are you doing a praise up? Yes. Well, both. <laughs> I would yeah. say, what about like, um, people in the Islamic faith that are having dreams about Jesus sure. coming to them. And like, I'd say like, even with like, there's document of tribes that, you know, somebody brings the gospel to them. They're like, no, we already know who you're talking about. Like he's come here. And so like, you mean the Mormons? I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's, Israelites were here like 2000 years ago, dude. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I get it. I think it's legit. And like, I don't know. And I think like that would be my pushback would honestly just be like, Hey, like we're called to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Like, I don't think it says it any more plainly. And then if for you, if you can't like, if there has to be a distinguish between like the miraculous and like the pastoral gifts or whatever, how it was like phrased, like, cool. Like, you know, I'm chilling with that. Like, it's cool, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, I mean, but who knows? You can be like R.C. Sproul who gets a word of knowledge and then says, no, that's not a word of knowledge. But, like, if he's operating yeah. a word, 
word of knowledge than like, and he doesn't want to use that language. Amen. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that typically my camp, you know, with the, the Islam, Islamic people that is there a word? Muslims people. Muslims. Thank you. I just had like a mid, I was thinking about like everything you said as a whole. And I was trying to figure out how to wade through it. Yeah, like, with the Islamites. Like, the Islamites. Islamites. I think I just had a stroke. Like, <laughs> with the Muslims and, you know, the secluded tribe or whatever, there mm-hmm. are instances where I submit that does happen. Like, and I think that that's a hard question to answer. And typically people like they're, you know, further down the road on my side of camp will say, yeah, that's not real. Um, and I think that that's super dangerous to do. I don't think that you should ever like confine God um, and say that he can't do something and it's not possible for him to do something. And Jordan and I had a conversation a long time ago about, you know, general and specific revelation. Um, and where we kind of landed on that was like, I'm totally cool with that. Like as long as the thing that's being revealed is Christ. I'm okay with that. But I do think like we are called to obviously, you know, bring God's word to people. Um, and I think it's very, you have to be very cautious when you're like, when you, when you come to things like that. And so I'll just land there. Mm. Open, be cautious. Amen. This could happen. It probably does happen. Uh, but I'm going to use my discernment either way. Man. Well, Sid, Thanks for uh, for being on, man. Really appreciate having you. Mm. It's been a grand time. Like I said yeah. before, we will definitely have you on again at future points. Wait, Not even just Jordan. specifically about like Pentecostal stuff. We we can have you on for other stuff. I know Joe's trying to pigeonhole you, but <laughs> what do you mean Joe's trying to pigeonhole? Jordan? You know I'm what? Okay. You're going to let you're going to let the non-Pentecostal have the last word in this Pentecostal episode. Yeah, man. I have grace. Okay. I feel, you know, I've made my case, and if people feel strongly about that, then they're they're entitled to their opinions. So I just pray that the spirit moves on them. Cool. Yeah, you can be demon impressed. I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I want to throw out I, many Pentecostal I do, words. I do want to say one last thing, though. One last thing okay. before we wrap up, Joe. I'm sorry. I know you're Go trying ahead. to you're trying to shut me up and no, this podcast. You're fine. Go ahead, co-host. I will say a lot of the stuff, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, a lot of the stuff in Pentecostal theology, you know, Sid just said this a minute ago, I truly believe comes down to the language that you use to describe it. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens that's miraculous that happens in, you know, my circles where we just talk about it and we use different language to describe it. So... Uh, which is kind of frustrating to me, um, but yeah, I think that language does matter in some sense. But at the same time, I'm more than willing to, you know, call the both of you brother, and uh, hope that I get to sit next to you um, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Ooh, good place to end on. Good guys, guys, love we love each other. Joe and I don't <laughs> hate each other. I really, I hate that we have to drive this point home. <laughs> <laughs> but we read comments last we week and saying. apparently we do <laughs> we don't think we're heretics so um 
thank you guys for listening if you've made it this far make sure to like and definitely subscribe if you want to see joe and i get tattoos and sydney probably too said you want to get a tattoo sacred cows tattoo yeah, so, yeah. gotta ask the wife first oh yeah that's fair <laughs> man whipped am i right <laughs> what are you what are you egalitarian um <laughs> thank you guys for listening we will catch you next time when joe converts fully to pentecostalism mm. amen Okay. <laughs>